Turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter 5. It can be found on page 1023 in the Pew Bible. 1023 in the Pew Bible in front of you. 1 John 5. We're going to look at verses 1 through 5 this morning. I forgot to say that during the announcements, but the other reason why my voice is really low, not only because of lack of sleep, but we played dodgeball last night, and, and I think you guys know how excited and animated I get. And I was their coach. We eventually got to play, but I was their coach cheering them on and getting them fired up and pumped up, so I probably shouldn't have done that. Let's pray that my voice holds up this morning. 1 John 5, 1 through 5. Let's read this and then we'll pray. 1 John 5, 1 through 5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, as we just read these words, we ask now that you would take them and that you would use them in a special way this morning, that our love for Christ would increase, that our confidence in Jesus would increase, and that we would desire to, to know Him and to love Him and obey Him. So would you work in our hearts this morning? Would you give us clear thoughts and minds this morning to receive your word? In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you have ever sought to purchase something and, and you noticed that what you wanted to purchase came in a packaged deal? Who of you knows that? You, you, you buy Christmas presents that, that come in a packaged deal. Not everything in the, in the package you necessarily want. Or for me, I, I sometimes, even this past Christmas, was shopping for clothes for myself and uh, I was looking for... Oh, just dress shirt, another dress shirt or tie, and that sort of thing. And you see a package deal with, with a shirt and tie. Well, in that instance, there was some that I saw. I was like, no, I, I only want that tie. I don't want the shirt that goes with it. Right? So we, 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 we do these sort of things. We, we, we do this at, at uh, fast food restaurants, right? You, you have to get a combo meal. Well, you don't have to, but... but in getting the combo meal, you order the combo meal, and a drink comes with it. And you know that I don't drink pop, and so I want the certain items, but I don't really want to pay for the full price of that combo. I'd rather pick and choose which items I receive. Right? I, don't, I don't want the drink. I have to give it to, to someone else. So in some instances, and we know this even at fast food restaurants, we can pick and choose which ones we want. We can make our own combo, if you will. But what we notice is the similar idea here in 1 John is that we can't just pick and choose what we want. 
Okay, we can't just pick and choose these various truths that John will proclaim. Okay, so John is going to bring all three tests that we've seen throughout this letter. All three mark a true Christian. He combines them in a whole package. It's a, it's a total package. You can't have one without the other. It's a, it's a combo sort of deal here. And I, I would even say that we wish to treat the Christian life and these tests of life like a menu where we pick and choose what we want. We pick and choose and, and reject the things that we don't want. It happens so easily for us. We want only the things in God's Word that, that we would prefer. And so here's what I want us to see this morning. As we begin to, as John ultimately begins to tie all three of these themes together. True Christians believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. True Christians love God and one another. And true Christians obey or keep the commands of God. This text is another word of assurance for us as we consider the three tests of life, right? So he's, he's cycled through these three tests of life. Belief, love, and obedience. Belief, love, obedience. In fact, even as we saw in Judges, there were cycles. It's really more of a spiral, right? Belief, love, obedience. Belief, love, obedience. And he's, he's cycled through these in the letter, and now he brings them all to this center point, and he combines them all to say they can't be separated. It just can't be. But it is, it is a word of assurance for us. We can know that we have eternal life because true Christians believe, they keep on believing who Jesus is, that he is the Christ. True Christians love God and others, and they obey his commands. These are the marks of the children of God. These truths identify those who have been born again. Faith in Christ, love for one another, and obedience to God. They cannot be separated. We must not think that I'm a true Christian in Christ if I only believe in Christ and don't have love or obedience. Right? We must not think that I'm a true Christian if, if I love other people but, but don't have faith in Christ. Or I don't obey His commands. Because belief in Christ and love for one another are commands to obey. And belief in Christ leads to love for others and it leads to obedience to Christ's commands. So let's look at these one at a time. So John ties them all together. I want to look at them one at a time. True Christians believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Notice verse 1 and verse 5. The first part of verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Now jump down to verse 5. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. As we know from the context in John's letter, there were false, counterfeit Christians who were denying who Jesus was. There were false teachers 
who were initially in the midst of the local gathering, and at some point they denied the identity of Jesus. And they departed the church and they sought to deceive the believers in the church to follow their teaching. They had rejected that Jesus was the Christ, the promised Messiah, the the promised King who would come in fulfillment of the Old Testament expectations. They had also rejected that Jesus was truly God. And so John reminds us that the one who believes, the one who keeps on believing that Jesus is the Christ, has been born of God. And in verses 4 and 5, you see this in verse 4 as well, that the one who has been born of God overcomes the world, and the one who overcomes the world is the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So the one who has been born of God believes that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. The evidence of the new birth is belief, or faith, or trust. Right? It's the same, it's the same word. It's the same word in, in, in the text. Belief, believe, faith, trust. Same thing. The evidence of the new birth is belief in who Jesus is. And this involves an ongoing trust an ongoing place in one's placing our faith in him and confidence in his identity, there is an object to one's belief. Did you notice that? There is content to be believed, trusted in, or placed our faith in. And this, con- this content, that's the emphasis here, right? In light of the false teachers who had left the church, this content is that is that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God. As you've seen in Acts, I'm not sure if you're, how you've done so far this week in, in, your, in your Bible reading plan, right? So we kind of kicked off a Bible reading plan this week, and this past week, it was a new year, you know, that was my New Year's resolution. We're going to try to work through this together, even as a, as a local body, and I'd love for you to pick up even where we're at now. We're, we're, we're looking at four different passages we read four different chapters of the Bible each day. And what you noticed this week was one of the passages was Acts chapter 5. We read Acts 5 this week. And I don't know, I hadn't seen this before. And, and, and it, you just, you, you, we keep growing, right? In Acts 5, here's what the apostles, they did not cease, Acts 5.42, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. Right? So they teach and preach that Jesus is the Christ. And it's interesting, even in light of last night, as I was with the, the youth down in Des Moines, the speaker was unpacking John chapter 11. And we, we know John 11, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Right? I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus says to Martha, Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me, shall never die. Do you believe this? And that's usually where I stop. Do you believe this? That's the question of asking us something, right? She said to him, John eleven twenty seven. Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God. You see? who is coming into the world. 
a message that was declared, a message that was received even while Jesus was living here on this earth from the earliest days passed on to his apostles. This gospel, this word about who Jesus is passed down then to the local churches by the apostles is that this, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Therefore, therefore, if John continues to if, John, if the ch- John's church continues to believe in that message and not depart from it, it reveals that they have been born of God. And therefore, therefore, John doesn't just bring this message to them. We, we have it in his word. God's people must reject any notion that leads us away from that, right? That seeks to move beyond the message that we have received in God's word. That's the point. And what a word of assurance for us, right? Such a word of assurance. That as we continue to embrace the truth in God's word concerning Jesus, we are giving evidence that we have been born again. And this should stir us up. It should give us a desire to continue in God's Word, to, to know Christ in His Word. How has He revealed Himself to us, right? So at the conference the last few days, the question that Reed asked the 700 youth students was this, who is Jesus? That's what we're going to address. Who is Jesus? And then... He backed up a step and said, who did Jesus say he is? Let's not move beyond who Jesus says he is. Let's not move beyond God's word. There is content that we must believe. And it's not simply that we believe that God exists or that we live in a moral universe or that there was a real historical person named Jesus who lived 2,000 years ago. Over Christmas, I was, I was at my mom's, and my, my wife and my mom and stepdad were gone at the time, and I'm just playing games with the kids. We're, uh, we're having a good time together, and it's loud. I, I get loud. You can, you can see that, right? It's loud, and we get, we get animated even in our gameplay. And I heard this, like, pounding I could not figure out what it was. And I was like, was someone here? My, my mom and stepdad, they live out in the country. They live out in the middle of nowhere, right? Someone come out to visit her? This is strange. Uh, especially on uh, day after, the day after Christmas. You know, we're there, and, and uh, Johnny went to the door, and he saw, he goes, Dad, there is, there's someone here. So I was like, oh, okay. I went to the door, and Starting having a, a conversation with the man, and he, uh, he asked me, you know, he just, uh, he goes, do you want to get in a Bible study? Do you want to, do you want to get in a Bible study? I was like, oh, I'm, a, I'm a pastor, I'm, I'm in, in Bible studies, and in fact, I don't live here in this area. Um, my mom and stepdad, they do, they're, they're in a Bible study themselves, they're in a small group, and they study the Word, so, so they're in one. And, and the, more, the more I talked to him, I came to found out, and that he was a Jehovah's Witnesses. And, uh, and so I, I, had, 
I had opportunity to, to, uh, to talk to my kids after he had left, and I uh, had opportunity to talk to my kids and explain uh, what he was doing and, and why he came, and, and, uh, and I told my kids, this is the question, this is the question that, uh, that we should ask, not even just him, but that we should ask even of ourselves, is who is Jesus? Who do you say Jesus is? I didn't get a chance to talk to this man any further than that. But that's the question I would have asked him. Who is Jesus? Who do you say Jesus is? Christianity, the gospel, our faith and confidence in who he is, stands or falls on the reality of that truth, right? This is the, this is the first truth test. Who is Jesus? The result of the new birth is a correct understanding of Jesus. He is fully God. So, so you might hear other things from Jehovah's Witnesses or, or someone else. Scripture reveals that Jesus is fully God and fully man. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. The promised King who would come to save His people from their sins. He died on the cross so that through faith in Him we might have eternal life. This is what we believe. So the assurance that we can have this morning is that we know God. We give evidence to our new birth through our continued belief in Christ. And might I have, encourage you, even as you have opportunity to do so, and evangelize and reach out to those around you to teach people, like the early apostles, right? To teach people, to tell people about who Jesus is. Right? That would have been an opportunity, opportunity for me to talk to this person and tell him who Jesus is. Might we continue to teach our children who Jesus is. Might we do that as a body here at Pleasant Ridge and build one another up in the knowledge of Christ. Second, my second point is this. True Christians love God and one another. Look with me at verses 1 and verse 2. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Now here's what I want you to notice. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. The new birth results in belief in who Jesus is and it leads to love for God and one another. So the second test that indicates that a person is an authentic follower of Christ, a genuine believer, is seen in their love for God and one another. And we, we've seen this, we've seen this throughout John's letter, especially last week and, and the previous weeks before that, that love for God leads to love for others. A person cannot love God and hate believers. A person cannot love God and give a cold shoulder to their brother or sister in Christ. The one who truly loves God will love other believers because other believers are the children of God as well, right? John here is picking up on a typical family relationship. If Jonathan, my son, loves me, 
then he will love Kate and Ellie and Ben as well. Because they're my children as well, and they're his brother and sister. Sisters. And of course, we recognize this, even in the family of God, that sometimes children can become bitter toward each other. Right? We recognize that in our own families. We hurt each other. We, we fight at times. We don't always say the nicest things to each other or about each other. We can even disagree at times. And we all, don't always seek the best interest of our brother or sister. We, we, rec- we recognize that in the family of God. We're a family. But there should be and will be, if we truly love God, a genuine love and concern for the well-being of one another. Right? It's a typical family relationship. Isn't that what love is in the first place? In Matthew 6, you would have read Matthew 6 as well, I suspect. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives us another good description of what love is. Matthew 6, 24, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, so hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And Jesus is referencing that we cannot serve God and money at the same time. Either love or hate. Either we are devoted or we despise. Hatred has to do with despise and love has to do with devotion. We devote ourselves to what we love. We give of our energy, our time, our resources, our efforts, our thoughts, our emotions to what we love. So if someone were to ask me, do you love working out? Do you love taking care of your body? How would you know? Went to bed the other night, 2 a.m. with the youth. Got up at 6 a.m. I'm in the weight room working out at a youth conference. I take the youth on a scavenger hunt, and some of us, we decide we're going to sprint through the whole thing. We're going to run around, and, and uh, we probably walked 15 miles yesterday. It's seen in our actions, isn't it? We devote ourselves. What we devote ourselves to, what we place our time and energy and resources in and emotions in, reveals what we love. And, and the one who loves God will give of himself to the local church. They'll give himself to other believers. We invest in one another. We care for each other. We seek to pour out ourselves to each other. Which means for us, right, even with my health thing, there is active effort, right? So even in our Bible reading plan, for example, how do I know that I truly want to know God through His Word? I'm active in it. I'm waking up at 5.45. I'm going to bed a little early at night, although not the last two nights. The question I want us to reflect upon is not this. How are people pouring into me? Rather, how am I giving of myself to others? How am I pouring out myself to others? In what ways, right? Because that's what love is, devotion. 
In what ways am I giving of my time, my energy, my resources, my thoughts to the benefit of other believers here at Pleasant Ridge? It's a very practical question that we can consider. And then we can take action, right? And I've seen this. I've seen it in so many ways. And I just want to continue to foster this in Pleasant Ridge here at our church. And the way we talk to each other, the way we jump in and get our hands dirty, the way we sacrifice for one another, and the way we fill various needs here in our body. I'm thankful for this. I've seen this in you. As we do this, because of our love for God, it will become evident that we love other believers. Verse 2, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. The way we know that we love one another is when we love God and obey Him. This means that love for one another only comes through a true love for God. People can do acts of service, right? You might know unbelievers who might look more like a Christian than I do on a given day. People can do acts of service, give of themselves completely to it, and not have love. Isn't that remarkable? So even in the ways that we seek to serve each other, might it come as a result of our love for God. And as we pursue Him and love Him, love for others will follow. How do we increase how do we increase our love, right? You might be thinking, man, Sean, I just don't give of myself that way. I want to. What do I do? We ask God for it, right? And like any relationship, we spend time together. We get to know each other. We give of ourselves to each other. So it is with God. We share experiences, share experiences together. Let's make it our aim to spend time in God's Word and in prayer. And I guarantee your love for God will increase. As we continue to be reminded of God's love for us in Christ that we've seen displayed on the cross. Third point, third and last point. True Christians obey the commands of God. Look with me at uh, verses 3 and 4. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. So now John, he brings his final test, right? Test of obedience. He, he draws our attention to obedience. And he shows the link, right? This chain link that can't be broken between love for God and obedience. This is the love of God. This is our love for God that we keep His commandments. Those who love God will keep His commands. Not perfectly, right? We recognize that. But this is the way that we demonstrate that we truly love God. By keeping His commands. How do I show my spouse that I love her? By being faithful. Right? By being faithful to her. Isn't one way we can show that, we lo- that I love her? 
In John 14, Jesus said to his disciples, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Love for God results in and is evident in obedience to God. Our obedience to God expresses our love for God. We don't truly love God if we aren't keeping his commandments. And if we don't love God, we're not truly loving people. So keeping God's commandments is essential if we are to truly love one another. So what does it mean, right? So if I'm supposed to keep the commands of God, what does that mean? What does it mean to keep his commandments? It means to to guard, to watch over, to attend carefully, to observe, to obey. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. We know this, Great Commission. Go therefore and make disciples. There's the command, right? Make disciples of all nations. How? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe. There it is. Observe all that I have commanded you. The process of discipleship in our own lives and in the lives of others is instruction, involves instruction in observing, obeying, keeping the commands of Christ. We hold the commands of God as precious to us. It means doing what God says. It means following God's directives for our lives. It means obeying God's will. And this is what we want to do. right? We've been born again. Born again. This is what we want to do because we are God's children. So Christ's commands are not a burden to us. And certainly we've all had conversations with people. I had plenty down in, in Louisville in which you heard this sort of statement. Oh, I, I don't, I don't want to follow Christ because all those rules that you have to obey, I wouldn't be able to do his commands. You have to do this, and I can't do this, and I can't do this, and I can't do this, and I, I'm supposed to do this. To which you either thought or said, they're not a burden. I want to do this and not this. I want to do this and not this. I want to obey Jesus. I want to do what God says. It's not, that's not a burden. The desire to obey has been placed within us. The Holy Spirit enables us to obey. And the love of Christ compels us to obey his commands because we are convinced that he died for us. His commands are not a, uh, not a burden. We have been born again. We have overcome the world. Verse 4, for, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. As believers in Christ, we love God and keep his commands, and they are not a burden. Because we have been born, born again. We have overcome the world already. We have overcome the desires of the flesh the desires of the eyes and the pride of life, although not perfectly, right? We're, we're in this process of growing in Christ's likeness, but we're characterized by this. 
And it's not because of anything in me, right? It's not because of anything in you. It's because of our faith. Because of the one who laid down his life for us and identified with us and suffered in our place. Because our faith is placed in Christ who perfectly overcame the world. John 16, 33. And only as our faith is placed in Jesus can we have victory in our own lives. So as we close, what I want to do is, is take a moment to reflect upon what I've just said. I want us to reflect upon these three tests. Here's a question I want to ask. Is there an area in your life that you may be failing to pass one of the tests? What part of the combo, right? I talked about combo earlier in my intro. What part of that combo am I wanting to remove or avoid? Are you believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God? Are you loving God and other, one another? Are you obeying His commands? Okay, those, are the, those are the questions I want you to ask and reflect upon. Being a believer involves head, we've seen this in the Gospel Project, right? It involves head, heart, and hands. It involves knowledge, love, and obedience. So I want to take a moment before I close in prayer and reflect upon those three. Am I wanting to get rid of what I have to believe about Jesus or what the Bible says about who he is? Am I wanting to get rid of this idea I have to love my brothers and sisters in Christ? Are you wanting to get rid of this idea I have to I, I, I need to obey his commands. So let's take a moment in silence here to reflect upon that, and then I'll close in prayer. You can close your eyes as we do so. Father in heaven, it seems easy for me personally to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. I have complete confidence in who he is, who he said he is. But where I find difficulty or maybe we find difficulty is in obeying Jesus. And loving others. easy to be 
bitter. It's easily easy to hold grudges. It's easy to gossip. easy to consider ourselves and not one another. It's easy to seek our own recognition and approval rather than yours. And so we confess this to you. I confess this to you. But we also recognize, even as I've said this morning, we don't have to live defeated lives. Would you stir us to continue to believe in Jesus, to love others, and to obey you? And it's not a burden to obey you. We are victorious in Christ. So would we... Would you enable us to continue to cling to Jesus and know that our victory is found in him alone? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.